Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not scared. Are you? Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and tonight... I'm going to be reading you some true stories. I'd like to start this week by thanking Cynodyme and the Bloody Disgusting Network for offering me such a warm welcome and interviewing me for the Bloody Disgusting website. I'll have a link to that article in the show notes, if you'd like to read it. Also, let me welcome my new listeners. It's a little cold and dusty around here, but I hope you enjoy your stay. Let's begin, shall we? First submission of the evening comes to us from Chelsea C. I want to share with you two true times I experience things I can't explain. The first one is not really scary in any way, just something I can't explain. But when you hear the second, you might agree with me that these are a good example of Good and evil, almost. You can reach out to me to verify anything you need, and I will provide anything that would help you verify. I have never been religious, and although I am an empathetic person, I wouldn't consider it a gift. The two events I have to share happened a few years apart. I am currently 35 years old. The first event happened back when I was 20 years old. I was a shift manager at a local food place. I had an employee that had just lost her son due to a tragic homicide, and she was obviously struggling. I knew her son, as he was actually very close with my younger brother, so the company I worked for often would ask shift managers to go and fill in at other locations if they were too short in staff. One shift I got a call from the area manager asking if I could go to a store I had yet to fill in for. I said sure heading over. The night was normal, and I had no issues. I also knew none of the staff at this location, as it was actually rather new. I was out in the lobby, filling napkins and wiping tables, and thinking about the mother of the boy that had passed. As I was cleaning the pop machine area, an older woman walked up to me and said, Tell your friend that her son is in a much better place. She smiled and walked out. I, of course, knew what she was referring to, but was completely baffled at the exchange. I didn't know any of the employees there enough to be discussing it for this customer to overhear. So I passed on that message. The mother needed to hear it, I guess. Now, fast forward to a few years later. 
My ex-husband and I were living with our one-year-old in an old apartment complex. A bit of backstory. My ex-husband always seemed like a dark and stormy cloud was over him. He would never smile or laugh and was always mad about something. Anyways, one night we were asleep and my child was snuggled in front of me, like big spoon, little spoon, with her on the outside near the edge. I suddenly woke up and across from my bed was a stereo and I noticed it was blinking 1.20 a.m. when from the side of the bed my kid was laying on, a brown shadowy figure partially arose and said, hey. My heart jumped out of my chest and I screamed, oh shit. It was gone as suddenly as it showed up. The scary part wasn't that though. It was when my ex said, You see him too? I grabbed my kid and got out of that room. When my ex came in the room, I asked him what he looked like so I could see if he was just messing with me and he said brown and dark, and that he had been seeing him also. That was the only time I ever saw him and have never had any other experiences. I just know that thing was evil. I knew it immediately in my whole body. I could feel his arrogance and evilness, I guess is the word. Thank you for reading, and if you want to clarify anything, you can reach me. Thank you for all you've done to entertain us. Your fan, Chelsea C. Our next submission is from Ashley P. My Stories I've never taken the time to write down any of my experiences, mostly because I used to live in constant fear of drawing attention to this thing. But I love this podcast, so here goes nothing. I didn't grow up in a haunted house. I believe this energy has just always been attached to me, so I'm going to start at the beginning. My mother has had plenty of run-ins with the paranormal growing up and throughout her adult life. It seems like the females in my family are sensitive towards these things, my brother being the only exception. Now, I don't know any of my mom's experiences prior to having me, but once I was able to comprehend the activity going on, we both became very open with each other about all of it. When my mother was pregnant with me, she would frequently have the feeling of being watched, only to look behind her and see shadows in the corners of her eye. Nothing too major ever happened, just the occasional shadow figure peeping its head out. Once I was born, maybe a few weeks old, my parents were woken up to me crying in the middle of the night. Upon entering my room, my mom saw a black mass hovering over my crib. The next day, my mom decided to get me baptized in the Catholic Church, and after that, nothing happened. For a while. As a child, I can only recollect one paranormal encounter. It was my brother's birthday party, and I was off playing with something when I saw a man who I had never met before, yet he felt like family. I remember him playing with me and him making jokes. The next day, I was sitting with my mom when I pointed at a picture of her father and said, That's the man I was playing with yesterday. My mother was stunned but proceeded to laugh it off so I wouldn't get scared. My mom's father passed away in 1995, 
I never got the chance to meet him, and I believe this was his way of saying, he's still here. I didn't start to have intense experiences until I was in about sixth grade. I think that's because I started to experience anxiety and depression pretty heavily. It started as little things, footsteps, small objects going missing, the occasional bangs on a door or wall, nothing that caused me real fear. But that all started to change fast. I had just gotten home from a long road trip. I was making my bed when something screamed, hey, in my ear. I was terrified and refused to sleep in my room for months. My room was in the basement, so I was alone most nights. Following this incident, I would constantly hear someone walking from the top of the staircase to the basement, then proceed to shuffle around the carpet, only to stop in front of my door. On a few occasions when this would happen, I would see the outline of feet from under my door. Much later, I returned to my room. Little happened, and I was beginning to think I was making it all up in my head. Until one morning. My alarm went off at 5 a.m., and I decided to doze off until 6 a.m. About 30 minutes in, I feel someone lay next to me, their body basically spooning mine. The fear was paralyzing. I began to get a vision or dream of a decomposing corpse. I proceeded to sit up straight, and I can feel the weight lifting off my bed. I look up and see my door is wide open. The darkness was almost consuming. I never sleep with my door open, and I have two nightlights on either side of my bed. I tried to ignore this incident just so I could make it through the day. But from this day on, whatever was in my house definitely made itself more known, but mostly only to me. My younger brother would occasionally get dreams where a shadow figure was chasing him. In each dream, the thing would get closer and closer to him. We had just got a new couch in our game room, and I really enjoyed sleeping on it. I went from naps to all night. Our game room was also in the basement, right next to my room. The first few nights I slept here, nothing happened, but I eventually started to get the feeling of being watched. I could feel eyes boring holes in the back of my head, and it was a feeling of such hatred. I only slept there two more times before I just couldn't take it anymore. My mother was the principal of this gorgeous Victorian-style school. I absolutely adored the architecture in the building, and I loved spending time there with her. The school was built in the 1880s, but unfortunately, I don't know much about the past of the building. During the summer, she would come in to prepare for the next year, decorate rooms, etc. And one of these work days, I brought my friend along so she could see the school. We were having a blast until we decided to go to the basement. Upon taking the first step down the stairs that led to the door for the basement, I was instantly struck with fear. I couldn't even continue down the stairs because it felt so off. The energy was extremely heavy. We decided to just go walk around upstairs. We went into the music room because it had these gorgeous large windows. I proceeded to walk over to the piano, and I was just about to play it, 
when the keys started playing on their own. My friend and I bolted out of the room and ran straight to the stairs. In all the chaos of running, I looked over to the right and saw a very tall shadow figure watching us run. I didn't go anywhere alone in that school after this. My mother would later find out from a janitor that certain members of the staff were performing rituals in the basement when no one was at the school. My mom left to a different school soon after. Upon entering high school, the presence did not calm down. In fact, in ways it got worse. I began to have sleep paralysis at least once a week, but I never opened my eyes. I had gotten so used to this happening that I just learned how to make myself fall back to sleep. It would even happen to me if I was sleeping in a car. One night, I was on FaceTime with my then-boyfriend. He was playing video games, and I fell asleep. Maybe 10 or 15 minutes into my snooze, I slipped into sleep paralysis. I thought, here we go again, but this time, I opened my eyes. I don't know what possessed me to do so, but when I looked over to my right, I saw the shadow figure, up close. He was extremely tall, with a long neck that peeked over me. He had no eyes, but I could feel him staring. Now, I refer to it as he, because it always felt like a male presence. I started to scream, wake me up, at my boyfriend but he acted as though he heard nothing. Eventually, I made myself fall back asleep, and he went away. The next morning at school, I was talking to my boyfriend and asked him if he heard me say anything that night. He told me that he heard me mumbling, but he couldn't make out any words, so he just assumed I was dreaming. A few weeks later, I was taking a shower, and I set my phone on the counter, laying completely flat. I heard a crash, and I find my phone on the floor, but it looked like it had almost been thrown. I picked it up, and the whole screen is shattered, but my screen protector didn't even have a scratch on it. I was more annoyed than scared by this event, because now I had to replace my screen. Unfortunately, this wasn't the last time something would be broken. A while later, I was sweeping my room when a very small vase flung off my shelf and broke into a million pieces. In annoyance, I swept up the mess and told the thing, just leave me alone. Eventually, we all got tired of these occurrences, and my mom decided to reach out to the Catholic diocese. A deacon, a priest, and about five people under them showed up to our house one night. They interviewed everyone in the house one at a time talked to us about being better Catholics, and then proceeded to perform an exorcism on the house. They had us open every door, window, drawer, cabinet, anything that could be opened, because they didn't want this thing to have a spot to hide. We all sat in a circle and began to chat verses from Psalms, while the deacon and the priest went around blessing the house and casting this presence out. After about an hour or so, they believed it to be gone. The group left to reconvene, and they would talk to us the next day about what they saw. The deacon said it was definitely a male presence. He saw it, but would not explain what this presence looked like. He chased the being around the house until, 
According to him, it was cast out. For a while, everything was quiet, and to this day, it mostly still is. Small things like chairs being moved and Christmas lights turning on on their own will happen, but nothing that makes us fear being home. My dog will occasionally bark at the darkness or the mirrors in my room, but in a way, I'm just used to all of it. The heaviness isn't here anymore, and the house does feel lighter, though I do believe there is still something here, but it is just not as malevolent. That is all I have for ghost stories, so thank you for listening, and take care. Next is a submission from Rayleigh D. So, this story begins when I was around five years old. My family and I moved into a new house that was a little out of city limits. That's not saying much, since the town I grew up in was literally a square mile. My neighborhood was a five-minute drive from the last stoplight at the edge of town. Funny enough, it was also a super short way, probably a five-minute walk, from the cemetery. That's unrelated to the story, but a nice little coincidence. Our single-story house had red brick, four rooms, two bathrooms, sat on a one-acre lot, had a U-shaped driveway and a metal carport, a few pecan trees out front, and a backyard with a cinder block fence. It was just a simple house and very unassuming. When you walked inside, you saw the living room and fireplace. To the left was an L-shaped hallway that led you to the bedrooms. My room first. In the corner of the L was my sister's room, next to my brother's room, which was across the hall from our bathroom, and at the end was the master. Going into the living room and to the right led to the dining room slash kitchen, which led to the laundry room and then to the garage. In the living room was a door to the backyard. We lived in that house for nine years, and everything that happened is spaced out over that time. One of the first supernatural occurrences I can remember in that house happened when I was six or seven. I can't be super sure of the timing because I was small, and time is nothing to children. All I remember is that I was pretty young. Anyways, it was my dad and I alone in the house, and he was making a snack for us. Sliced summer sausage and cheddar, grapes and crackers, served on a paper plate. I guess it was technically charcuterie, but it was small town West Texas, and we literally had never heard that word until a few years ago. Anyways, while my dad was making our redneck charcuterie, we had the TV on as background noise. Suddenly, the volume cranks all the way up. My dad, being a somewhat surly man, yells, Turn it down! And just like that, the volume goes to zero. I run from the kitchen to the living room to see why that happened, expecting my brother or sister giggling. I thought maybe they had come home with my mom without us hearing and wanted to play a prank on us. I looked behind the couches, in the entryway closet, our rooms and our closets, bathrooms and even my parents' room. Only my dad and I were home. I've asked my dad in recent years what he thought about the whole situation, and he also thought it was my siblings or my mom at the time. After finding out it was still only us in the house, he chalked it up to a coincidence. To this day, he has remained a skeptic, despite the weird shit that happened in that house. Another incident that happened within the next year of the TV mystery, I was in my room getting ready to go to bed. 
I opened my closet to get something out of it and was freaked the fuck out by some shadows snaking over the floor of the closet. Seriously, it literally looked like shadow snakes that retreated as soon as I opened the door. I screamed, slammed the door, ran out of my room, and went to find my parents. They probably thought, alright, cool, gotta go check out the boogeyman in my daughter's closet. My mom comforted me while my dad checked the closet for mice. We did have a little problem with them, but nothing too serious. While the logical answer would be mice running away from the disturbance, the way I remember, it was different. It would have had to be New York rats in my closet from the size of those shadows. And after my dad checked it, there was nothing in there, just some shoes on the floor. After that, I always turn the light on before opening the closet. I still do, at the age of 24. Years later, probably when I was 12, my parents and I were sitting at home. I was sitting at the dining table, my mom in the living room on the couch, my dad in the laundry room. The way the living room and dining slash kitchen area was set up, my mom and I could see the back door. It was probably five feet from me and 10 from her. It was the middle of the day and my brother had gone out the back door to start mowing the lawn. Our back door was technically two doors, one regular wooden door on the inside and a glass door on the outside. The glass door always closed by itself. Nothing spooky, just how the mechanism at the top was. The wooden one was just a regular door that had to be shut with force. When my brother had gone outside, he'd left the wooden door wide open, which wasn't uncommon or a big deal since the glass one always closed. And I'm sure, as you can guess, the wooden door that was wide open slammed shut. My dad called out, What the hell was that? My mom and I looked at each other, wondering the same thing. We had both seen my brother walk out of the door minutes before, and he hadn't come back in. No one had. We tell him what happened, and in his usual skeptic tone, says, Whatever. It must have just been the change in air pressure when I opened the door to the garage. Y'all, I swear it wasn't that. I've had doors that are nearly closed shut by themselves because the air conditioner had come on. I know what the air pressure door shutting phenomenon looks like, and this was not it. This was a heavy ass door, wide open, slamming shut on its own. Another instance that I didn't witness firsthand happened when I was 14. My brother, who was 19 at the time, was home by himself. My parents, sister, and I went on a several-day road trip to California. He stayed behind to spend time with his then-girlfriend, who was a few months pregnant. About two days into the trip, my brother calls my mom, freaking the hell out. He tells her weird shit has been happening since we left, and he can't stay in the house anymore by himself. From what he told us, whatever was in the house did not like him. Which makes sense, because from ages 17 to 24, he was an absolute piece of shit. Love him, but he was bad back then. He was getting into drugs, hanging out with bad friends, and to make matters worse, he liked to fuck around with Ouija boards. I know, what a smart guy. Side note, he's great now, really good dad to his two kids. Anyways, the house spirit was really laying it on thick, according to him. First day, when he got up from playing video games, he'd come back to the controllers on the floor when he'd placed them on the couch. His girlfriend also witnessed this and said he didn't leave them in a place where they'd just fall off by themselves. 
When his girlfriend went home, he'd invited our cousin over so he wouldn't have to be alone for the night. The next day is when he called us. He told us that our cousin was getting ready to take a shower and was letting the water run to get hot. I guess he left for a bit and when he came back to get in, the bathroom was all steamy and there was a mysterious handprint on the mirror that belonged to neither of them. They ran around the house to see if anyone else was in there because where the hell did that fucking handprint come from? When they entered my parents' room, the bathroom rugs and towels were dragged out from the bathroom and halfway into the room. They both left the house and stayed at my cousin's after that. We did end up seeing the mess in my parents' room when we got home. It looked like someone was starting to do laundry and gave up right there. Throughout the years, there had been times when we'd hear footsteps or feel as though we weren't quite alone when there was absolutely no one else in the house. After we'd moved out, a friend of my mom's had bought the house. Months after he'd moved in, he ran into my mom and asked her, Is there something you forgot to tell me about the house? She asked him what he meant, although she knew damn well what he was going to ask. He ended up telling her he'd heard voices, although he lived alone. Even some company he had over at one point heard them too. He also mentioned that his TV would mysteriously change volumes. Also, fun fact, my mom mentioned to me years after we moved out that a previous tenant had died in my childhood room. Thanks, Mom. Even after we moved into a new house two hours away from the old one, weird things kept happening. I honestly blame it on my brother. Our new house was a custom built, so we were its first occupants. Nothing happened right away, or very often, but it was still strange. Never to me, but to my mom and brother. I had a guitar that I kept in my room. When she was alone in the house, sometimes she'd hear a single strum of it, and that'd be it. One instance, she was going out to the garage to get something from the freezer. My dad had installed a tennis ball and a string in the garage in my parking spot so I wouldn't hit the wall. Thanks, Dad. While she was in the garage, she heard a slap. When she turned around to see what it was, she saw the tennis ball swinging back and forth. Another time, we had a family gathering, just my siblings, my parents, and my brother-in-law. It was kind of late and everyone was saying goodnight and getting ready for bed. Suddenly, a disgusting smell filled the air. It hit me first in my parents' bathroom, where I was getting a makeup wipe from my mom's drawers. I walked out and asked, Do y'all smell that? Seconds later, it hit everyone. It was absolutely rancid. We all came to the consensus that it smelled like rotting meat. Anyone interested in the supernatural knows what that means. If you're new around here, it means a demonic or evil presence has decided to make itself known and is assaulting your olfactory system. My dad and brother-in-law were about to go up to the attic to check if any dead animals were up there. Right before they brought down the ladder, the smell went away, as though it was never there in the first place. And there was no going nose blind to that smell, I promise you. This was also shortly after my brother started having sleep paralysis. It was the same one every few nights. A black hooded figure would start drifting toward my brother 
in the small hallway that led to his room. When the dream started, my brother would start hearing whispers in his ear. One ear was a high-pitched voice, the other a low voice. Each time he had the dream, the figure would get closer. He had the dream for several months. My grandma, bless her sweet little Mexican Catholic heart, even gave him holy water to sprinkle in his room before bed. We've all moved out since then, and my parents also live in a new town, and nothing weird has happened in our new places. I think that whatever was in my childhood home stayed there. However, I firmly believe that my brother and all his stupid antics and bad energy attached something to himself, and that's what haunted us in our second home. He's since cleaned up his act and has learned his lesson about messing with slash disrespecting those on the other side. While I love to read and hear about ghostly encounters, I'd rather not experience them ever again. Now, if you listened to the last true horror episode, I promised that Jeremy would be back for more after his very scary cabinet incident. So here is more from Jeremy S. Quite often we find that underground living spaces in Savannah once held captured enslaved people, said my girlfriend. Her name is Olivia Newton. She has a sign in her bathroom above the toilet that reads, Olivia Newton's John. My girlfriend is a ghost hunter. As I sat in her living room, wood paneling giving me flashbacks to my basement as a child, while I simultaneously avoid flashbacks of the basement I have now, I had begun hearing voices after the cabinet incident. They were infrequent at first, the voices, a spattering of moans or groans, heard vaguely in passing as I went to the kitchen for a snack or a glass of water. They came from below me, in the basement, secreted behind one of this house's many commanding oak doors, doors that seemed prideful in their excessive size. I could hear them. I say voices very specifically, because even in the ancillary fog of details around some aspects of this event, the two voices still so profoundly rattle within my thoughts. The voices carried the tone and cadence and timbre, but one seemed to be that of an adult man, the other of a child. After a few days of subtle moans and groans, almost as if my unintended roommates became more comfortable with my presence, they culminated one evening. The yell is what I call it now. It is difficult for me to recreate the yell adequately from my memories. As I sat in Olivia Newton the Ghost Hunter's library that day, surrounded and dwarfed by the lights and beeps of all of her unfamiliar equipment, that is when I heard it first. The night before, Olivia had installed some of that same equipment in my house, in THE house. She spent most of a lazy afternoon with a mix of focus and light-hearted joking with me as she roamed the halls of that place and set up things for recording sounds, voices, lights, orbs, temperatures. It was quite an intricate dance of technology and knowledge as she prepared the space to see if it was actually being shared with other presences. We sat in her library, 
the faint smell of oolong tea drifting between our faces as she pushed play on a small, inoffensive audio recorder. She had isolated one specific moment for me. On the audio, the same deep voice I had become accustomed to hearing moaning as I journeyed in the house, past the basement door I never opened, spoke two words. I'm hungry. Almost instantaneous to hearing these words, I knew I had to leave. I didn't know if I needed to leave the room or Olivia Newton's house. Maybe I should leave the whole planet. My thoughts were fluttering like a disturbed bush of butterflies, and I tried to catch one, a single one, to return to myself. I'm hungry. We decided to sell the house. There had been some other, less ethereal issues as well, and it felt like an appropriate time to make our exit. Our things all went into boxes, taped and sorted in a cavernous truck to be shipped to our new place. On my final night in the house, it was an even more unfamiliar place. The only remaining items were me and my sleeping bag. My small SUV stood at attention in our driveway, overflowing with books and coats, ready to make the cross-country drive I had the next day. I was on the top floor of the house, in my empty bedroom, trying to force sleep onto myself. It was a softer sound at first, almost like when you drop something hard on a rug. I squeezed my eyes shut a bit harder, trying to will myself to sleep. Boom, the wooden thud again, a bit louder, loud enough for me to immediately recognize its genesis. The basement door. The sound evolved. In my mind, these sound waves began molding themselves into possible sources as I felt my breathing slighted. Each time the sound cycled, they enlarged in both persistence and volume until their explanation felt inescapable. Someone was in the basement behind the locked oak door, down the unforgiving cement stairs, into the windowless cavern that was my underground basement. No living person could get in from the outside without me inviting them. I knew what it was. My roommate was ready for me to leave. I burrowed myself as deeply into my sleeping bag as I could without risking the loss of oxygen. I looked at my phone. I tried to sleep. At some point in my fevered state of panic, I fell asleep. When I opened my eyes, the welcome sunlight felt more protective than it ever had. I listened before extracting myself from my cotton chrysalis. Nothing. Simple, voluminous silence. I traveled quickly down the stairs, sleeping bag sloppily hanging in my arms. I squeezed my feet into my shoes, grabbing one last drink of water from the kitchen, scoop up my keys, and offer one last quick glance around this home I knew I didn't belong in before heading to the garage. I 
had a momentary existential crisis as I made the decision about whether to check the basement. Would I be better off looking down there? Would I be better off just leaving and give myself the chance to pretend it had all been a hazy dream? I'm hungry. The yell. It only came from inside my mind this time. I sturdied myself, collected my sleeping bag and keys from the countertop like some kind of bizarre body armor and weapon, and I walked out. I decided to just leave. But as I sat in my car, enveloped by the sights and smells of some of the things I had collected over the years, I knew this memory would never leave me, just as I knew those two voices represented something that may never leave this house. I knew the last thing I had seen as I quickly rushed out of that home would never leave my memory. There, as I sidestepped the mammoth oak door that held so much of me in its power, I saw at its base several chipped pieces of the same wood that guarded me from whatever lay behind. Wood chips, almost like someone had been pounding the door with their fist. In that moment, the final puzzle piece positioned itself and I realized what had happened the night before. I needed to go. As my car exited this neighborhood for the last time, I weirdly waved back at that place, its inhabitants, and as I saw the open house sign in the yard in my rearview mirror, I thought about who would live there with those two voices next, and then I thought, with a smile, I'm hungry. Our next submission is from Rylan. I've got two stories which could fit here. One is more believable than the other, but they're both entirely true. I'll give you the more believable one first. I'll call this one my ex's apartment. For starters, a small bit of context. I've always considered myself sensitive to the preternatural. I've seen and sensed a fair few ghosts in my time. I'm also a slight skeptic, even though that might seem strange considering what I just said. I always try to find the logical explanation first, since often there are logical reasons behind what one might assume to be something spooky. That being said, there have been a few times where I can't think of a logical explanation, or it would be more of a stretch to consider logic over supernatural goings-on. Anyway, many years ago, I had a boyfriend who I'll call John. And the very first night I stayed over at his apartment, I got eerie vibes. His bed was in the full opposite corner of the room from his bedroom door, like diagonally across. So when you're lying in bed, you can see the door. He liked to keep the door open for his dogs, but as we were getting into bed the first night, I couldn't stop staring at that open doorway. I asked him if we could shut the door, because I felt like something was staring at me from the hallway. He got really freaked out and proceeded to tell me that his cat, who had recently passed away, would sit protectively on his chest at night and glare at the door, 
as though she too could sense something there. That freaked me out more, and I got up and closed the door since his dogs were already in the room with us. After a month or so, he ended up moving from his ground floor apartment to a suite on the second floor of the same building, due to some drama with his roommate at the time. He decided it was best for him to take his dog and live on his own. At the time, since we lived about an hour apart by transit and neither of us drove, I would usually spend several days at his place. I was working shift work at a retail store, and I wasn't getting many hours there, so I was spending three or four days a week at John's place since I didn't need to go to work. I still got vaguely eerie vibes from his building, but I was also trained in making energy wands, so I was confident that his suite was safe. We would sometimes freak ourselves out, reading or listening to scary stories, but nothing actually scary happened. Until he brought me to the laundry room. The laundry room in his building was in the basement, on the same level as the underground parking. It was pretty much in the middle of the building, so it didn't matter which of the two sets of stairs you go down in order to get to it. But since his suite was closer to the one set than the other, he always took that set. The instant we got to the basement landing, my blood ran cold. Something wasn't right. I've learned to listen to my instincts, so I was hyper aware as we went and took our laundry to the machines. We were alone, at least in terms of humans. I know basements in and of themselves are often creepy, but this one really didn't look all that bad. And no, we hadn't been scaring ourselves this particular day, so that ruled out my imagination playing tricks on me. I was looking all around us as he loaded up the machines, watching the door. He picked up on this and asked what was wrong. I told him something didn't feel safe. Normally, he would sit with the machines to make sure he didn't miss taking them out and putting them in the dryer and whatnot. But I was freaked out, and I was freaking him out, so we just started the machines and left, setting a timer on his phone. We got back to the stairs. As soon as we got to the first landing and rounded the corner, I saw a fucking black shadowy figure following behind me. It looked a little bit like a cross between Sadako from The Ring and Kayako from The Grudge, in that it had long black hair covering its face, and what I could see of its body was pale. I freaked the fuck out and ran up the rest of the stairs with a very confused John following as fast as he could. The figure kept following us. I threw open the door at the second floor landing and ran back to his apartment door, almost crying in fear. We got inside safely, and I was finally able to tell him what I'd seen. Now, I'm not the type to be frightened by just the sight of a ghost, because I know not all ghosts are bad. I happen to have one who shares my home, and he's super chill and just enjoys watching us, so I don't automatically assume that any particular entity wants to hurt me, regardless of how they look. This thing, though, this thing gave off massively dangerous vibes, and all I knew was that I didn't want to find out what it wanted. John calmed me down, even though he was freaking out too, and I was able to say that the creature didn't leave the stairwell. It always stayed a few steps behind us, and I'm wondering if maybe it was just some kind of trickster spirit who just wanted to freak me out. So I agreed to go back down with him to switch the laundry over when it was time, 
trying not to let my earlier fear cloud my judgment of the area. And wouldn't you know it? I got the exact same feeling at the exact same point in the stairwell. When we went back up to his apartment, the black figure was following us again. At this point, I no longer thought it was harmless. I don't know what it wanted, but I pleaded with John to take the other stairs next time, even though it was far less convenient. He trusted my senses, so he agreed. Thankfully, the other stairwell was clear. I still felt uneasy in the basement, but nothing followed us back upstairs afterward. I told him as much, and he relaxed knowing he would be safe to go downstairs. I wasn't interested in joining him down there anymore though, even taking that other stairwell. Thankfully, nothing came of whatever that was, and we were both fine. It scared the absolute shit out of me. The only time I've ever been that scared was during my high school years, when my friends and I accidentally got my one friend possessed while goofing around with forces beyond our understanding. But that's a story for another time. This is another submission from Esmeralda, who has haunted us before on previous True Story episodes. I have another true story for you. This happened to me when I was 10 years old, and it happened in Puerto La Cruz, Venezuela. My mom got a job as the manager for this house in which showgirls used to live. The house was big, about 10 rooms. A big living room and the dining room was so big, the table would seat 20 people. The bathroom was outside in the backyard, which it was all cemented. There was no grass or lawn or trees. Two major things happened to me in this house. The first one was during lunchtime. My mother and one of the showgirls and myself were in the kitchen making lunch. As we were going to leave the kitchen, we could see this nun floating through the dining room and going through the door of a room that we never could get open. The key was lost. The ghost encounter was not bad, a little creepy, but harmless. Now my second ghost encounter was more sinister, and it really left me with a memory that I wish I could forget. Our room was at the beginning of the house, which it meant that I had to go through the living room and the dining room and into the backyard to be able to go to the bathroom. It was normal for me for the lights to turn off halfway as I am crossing the living room or dining room, so this didn't bother me that much. I still got a little scared. I was 10 years old and my paranormal life was just really getting started. This night, I woke up at about 2 or 3 a.m. to go to the restroom. I knew that it was going to be a pain going through the living room and dining room because of the lights, but what I was not prepared for was the ghost I encountered. After my half-lights-on-and-half-lights-back-off walk, I go to the backyard. The bathroom was on the other side of the backyard. It was divided in two, the showers on one side and the toilet on the other side. I was about 20 steps away from the bathroom when this ghost appeared in front of me, hanging by his neck and just staring right at me. I have no idea how long I was standing there as I couldn't move. I felt my mom come from behind me and grab me. She saw him too and asked him to go away and leave me alone, but not in a nice way. 
I have no idea what made my mom come and look for me, or what would have happened if she had not come to my rescue. What I can say is that I didn't go alone to this bathroom from that night on. I can actually close my eyes and still see his face, with his piercing, dark eyes. We asked around about anyone dying in the house. Before the remodeling to make it a home for showgirls, the house had a beautiful backyard with trees and an outhouse. One of the residents took his life by hanging himself off one of the trees. The nun, that one we really never got an answer on exactly why she was there. Multiple different stories, from the nun killing herself at the house to there was a covenant on the land before it was made a residential house. All I know is that the house was the talk of the town as one of the most haunted houses in town, and leave it to us to move right in it. We moved about a year later, right into another haunted house, but that story is for another day. I promise I don't go looking for the paranormal. It actually looks for me. This submission is from Katrina L. My story isn't spooky, but it is true and a very fond memory. In 2007, we lost my grandmother, and my mom was mourning a bit extra because grandma was her last living parent. Grandma passed on Valentine's Day, and now we fondly joke that she was going to surprise Grandpa with a hot date. Six months after her death, my family went on a vacation to the beach. I was only 11, but I remember my mother's eyes always looked sad around that time. But she was still just as involved with us and was so strong. One evening, at sunset, we were walking the beach and looking for shells, and I was about 40 feet ahead of Mom. I turned back to check on everyone, and Mom was bent over looking at a shell, and my heart leapt in my chest, because my grandma was standing right behind her, and she was smiling so brightly at my mom, and then me, and I started running towards them. I glanced down for a moment when I stepped on a shell or something, and when I looked up, Grandma was gone. I stopped running but walked over to mom and told her, I think I just saw grandma, and that's why I was running to you. She got teary-eyed and said that she had just been thinking about her because she saw a shell that was a beautiful purple, grandma's favorite color. She smiled, though, and back then, that was a big score. After all these years, I don't remember what grandma was wearing or any true details other than her smile and the warmth I felt from her. She had such kindly eyes and they crinkled so much when she smiled. This is my only encounter that I would consider supernatural, but I truly believe that Grandma felt Mom struggling and wanted to tell Mom that she's always with us. The warmth I remember that day is one of my strongest childhood memories. Thanks for reading. I hope you have a wonderful evening. This next submission is from Mitch. They have a non-paranormal horror story for us. By the way, I happily accept those for these true horror episodes. It can be anything from ghosts to cryptids to UFOs to glitches in the matrix or even just the everyday horrors of man. Now, 
let's find out what happened to Mitch. This story isn't super horrific or anything. It's just been one of those things I will never forget. A couple of years ago, I was staying at a friend's house. It was in a small community, but there was a foresty area with a trail in the middle of it. I was at the house with my friend's two younger brothers, and my friend was at work. I was bored, so I decided to go walk the trail. I walked into the trail, and it was really nice at first. I got to the heart of the trail, and there was a little creek. The birds chirping sounded pretty normal for the area. I've lived in the area for over five years, so I think I have an idea of what most of the fauna sounds like. As I started walking back, I heard a really strange bird. It was almost gargly and just off. I stopped on the trail and tried to listen. I heard it again, just a weird kind of whistling. Almost like a bird. Almost. As I was walking closer to where I was coming from, I heard it again. But it was different. It was skin crawling. It sounded like a person trying to make a bird noise. Like a decrepit thing trying to mimic a bird. I started to backtrack. I walked backwards pretty slowly like it was going to come after me. I didn't want to turn around. I felt like if I turned my back on it, it would get closer. I walked backwards until I hit a curve in the trail and ran out of forest. It was terrifying. This story stuck with me for a long time, and when I started reading creepy Reddit stories, I read a story of a skinwalker, about how it mimics animals or people and tries to lure you in. So I'm thinking that's what it was, or somebody just trying to fuck with me. Either way, it was pretty terrifying. Growing up in Oregon, I was told not to go in the woods alone, and I will never do it again. Now we have a submission from Ali D. I understand this isn't the usual scary stories, but I've always found it slightly unsettling. A bit of context. I was young, it was my first time dating. It was two years after my grandmother had passed. I was dating this boy who lived a mile up the street from me. On the other side of the street lived my best friend's grandmother. My best friend frequently visited her house except for Wednesdays and Sundays and any time after five. I've had this schedule burned into my mind. I had just come home from my then boyfriend's house, now ex. It was late and I was just sitting on the back deck sobbing when I started to hear my grandmother's old chair creak as it began rocking back and forth. I looked up and dried my eyes to see her sitting there before me. She said Allie and motioned me to come closer. Without hesitation, I went up to her. She wiped my tear away and said, don't go back up there and pointed up the street to my boyfriend's house. I looked at her and said, why? She only repeated herself this time, yelling in an, a scary, almost inhumane voice. Don't go back up there. It suddenly got really windy and slammed the screen door shut. I looked over and she was gone, but the chair was still rocking back and forth. I went inside and thought nothing of it. I'm not thinking straight. I must have just been seeing things. The next day I went back up to my boyfriend's house. Almost had completely forgotten about my grandmother's warning. A fight broke out between me and him, a nasty one. 
I was going to leave, but he grabbed my wrist. I pulled my arm away. There was a bruise. I got on my bike and started going home when he grabbed my handlebars, making me crash, and my bike landed on top of me. Only a few scrapes and scratches, but nothing too bad. So I continued on my way, speeding down the hill. My glasses lens were covered with tears to the point I could barely see. Then I saw my best friend, casually walking his bike up the street. I swerved and stopped my bike. What are you doing here? I asked as it was a Wednesday and he's not allowed up this road. He responded casually and said, I heard the yelling. At the time I didn't question it, but now I realize that it would have been impossible. He looked at my scrapes and scratches and said, come on, my grandmother will clean you up. Not wanting to argue, I followed him back to his grandmother's place and we entered. For a brief second, I saw my grandmother sitting down on their couch. Then the next second, she was gone. I know it's not that scary, but even if you can't fit it into your podcast, I honestly appreciate you reading it. I've thought about that day many times since then, and it just becomes more and more impossible. It was a Wednesday, and even if he was somehow at his grandmother's house, he would not have heard the screaming. His grandmother was at least two miles away. He should not have been there. This is from Dakota B. My grandpa and uncle grew up in the 50s and served in Vietnam. Both saw heavy combat in some of the biggest battles of the war, so obviously not scared of much. My uncle was in the Marine Corps, saw action at Quezon, and did a lot of black ops-related stuff. Well, fast forward well into the 90s, early 2000s, my grandpa is living in the house they both grew up in, and he started experiencing what he claimed was a demon. He was constantly on edge. The pans would clang while sitting in the cabinets. The cabinet doors would fly open. At night, he'd make his way up to his bed, only to find the imprint of someone sitting on the edge of his bed. He'd even wake up to the feeling of someone sitting on the edge of his bed, and he would tell us he'd never been more scared than waking up to that feeling. So he called my uncle, and they decided to search the house and see if they could find anything that could be causing this. Well, they decided to search the attic, my uncle carrying his 45 pistol, and my grandpa had his 12-gauge. They're going up to the attic, and my uncle starts freaking out and yelling and screaming, damn near shot the roof off the house. He came down and told my grandpa he saw something black with red eyes in the corner. Even being a tunnel rat hadn't prepared him for that experience. When my family and I would come to visit and stay the night, he made sure we knew to either close and barricade the basement door or sleep facing away from it. Why? Well, if you close the door, around 2 to 3 a.m., it would fly open and something black with red eyes would be standing on the last few stairs. The same thing would often push my grandpa down the stairs, leaving scratches, bites, cuts on my grandpa. There was always this massive feeling of dread as soon as you walked through the front door, just a feeling of impending death. That went on for years, until my uncle and grandpa both passed away. This submission is from Mike C. This story starts out with my great aunt Gina, who was visiting my mom and me in Boston from her home in Florida. 
and she had planned on staying with us for at least a couple of months. Now, it so happened that Gina's mom also lived in Boston and was quite old, in her early to mid-90s or so, and Gina's birthday was coming up while she was going to be in town. After a few days of Gina being in town, she decided to pay her mom a visit on the night of her birthday. Since Gina didn't have a car, and my mom had trouble driving at night, she called herself a taxi and waited by the front door for it to arrive. She waited and waited for what seemed like well over an hour for a taxi service that was located less than a few minutes away. As I was sitting at the kitchen table doing homework, I noticed at the top of my peripheral vision what looked like my mom in her white robe walking by the kitchen and down the hallway. The entry from the kitchen ran perpendicular to the hallway, and opposite the kitchen was the basement door, where we kept a laundry basket. I point this out because when I saw what I thought was my mom walking quickly and silently down the hallway, I looked up just in time to see her white robe drape over the laundry basket as she passed it by. That was immediately odd to me because my mom had a heavy step, and I always knew when she was coming down the hall, so it was really odd that she was being so quiet. I figured maybe she was just trying to scare Gina or something, so I didn't think much of it after that and shifted my focus back to my homework. Suddenly, the house phone rang and pierced the eerie quietness of the house's ambiance, making me jump a bit just in time to see my mom walk into the kitchen from the opposite end of the hallway that I had just seen her walk just moments earlier, and she was wearing a pink robe. I was utterly confused and asked my mom, Did you just walk down the hallway a few minutes ago? And she shook her head no and answered the phone. I'll never forget that phone call and the look on my mom's face as the realization of the news emanating from the other end settled in her mind. I knew by the look of shock on her face that it wasn't good news. My mom took the phone away from her ear and called down the hallway to Gina and said, It's for you. My great aunt answered the phone and was greeted by a neighbor that lived downstairs from her mom. The neighbor explained that while she was getting ready for bed, she heard a loud bang upstairs and thought it was unusual since things were always quiet, since a very old lady lived there after all. The neighbor decided to go upstairs and check to make sure everything was okay, just in case. When she got upstairs, she noticed that the front door was open and the screen door was closed, since my great-grandmother was waiting for Gina to arrive. So she knocked loudly and didn't get a response. She called out her name and again, no response. The neighbor walked into the apartment and down the hallway and found my great-grandmother on the bathroom floor, unresponsive and bleeding from her head. The neighbor immediately called an ambulance and they showed up minutes later to take my grandmother to the hospital, where she passed away shortly after arrival. The neighbor found my mom's phone number written on a piece of paper on my great-grandmother's kitchen table, since she knew my great-aunt Gina was in town, and this was before cell phones were commonplace. So she called in an effort to let someone know what had happened. Long story short... My great-grandmother was getting up from the toilet and fell, hitting her head on the pointed edge of the bathroom sink, then hit the floor, resulting in the bang the neighbor heard from downstairs. 
Needless to say, my great aunt was devastated. Not only did she just find out that her mom died, but on her birthday, nonetheless. The taxi never showed up, and in hindsight, that was probably a good thing. Imagine if my great aunt was picked up on time, showed up at her mom's house, and found her bleeding on the floor. Not a great thing for anyone to find, let alone her daughter. As my mom tried to comfort her aunt at the kitchen table, as she sat there crying, my mom told her how sorry she was this had to happen on her birthday, of all days. After she said that, something happened that I still to this very day cannot explain, even after 26 years. From deep within a kitchen cabinet, we heard a muffled, high-pitched tune suddenly start to play. My mom got up to investigate and had to get a stool to reach a small basket at the back of the top shelf. She brought the basket down, and the tune started getting louder and louder until my mom found the source and held it in her hand. It was a very old and rusted electronic birthday candle that was supposed to play Happy Birthday when it was lit. We had last used it years and years earlier at one of my previous birthdays, and we had honestly forgotten about it until that night. My mom placed the candle on the kitchen counter, and Gina's tears immediately stopped, and we gathered round the candle, totally dumbfounded, as we watched it play Happy Birthday, totally on its own accord. The song played completely eight times, eerily. That was the same apartment number of my great-grandmother, We honestly had no choice but to take that as a sign from my great-grandmother from beyond death that she didn't get to wish her daughter a happy birthday in person, so she found the next best way to do it. Once the candle stopped playing, my mom examined the candle more carefully and noticed that the small watch battery that had powered it had exploded into a crusty white powder long ago, and even lighting the candle didn't make it play again. It was almost like it was being powered from a different source, outside the limits of a dead battery. I then told my mom what I had seen earlier, of what I thought was her moving silently down the hallway, and her white robe draping over the laundry basket as she moved past, but she told me that wasn't her. I was confused, scared, and genuinely intrigued by the whole situation, I chalked it up to my great-grandmother's spirit moving through our house in the direction of my great-aunt Gina, presumingly to comfort her. That experience brought some closure to Gina and my mom, thankfully, and I have never experienced anything like it since. It wasn't until the next day that my mom found a picture of my great-grandmother and showed it to me, since I had never met her before. And that's when I saw her in the photo, sitting at her kitchen table, in the same white robe I saw out of the corner of my eye the night she passed away. This next one is from Zoe. Prelude. I am a very paranormal, accepting, question mark, person. Mostly because I am a very Christian lady and personally believe that anything paranormal is a demon. 
Maybe it's because of my age slash phase, or maybe I am just a daring child. Whenever I feel cold or feel like I'm being watched or more scary vibes like that, I will joke about it, saying stuff along the lines of, oh, I'm not scared of you demons, or I can see you, or another stupid sentence to provoke them. I have only been through small and short paranormal witnesses, but these stories are truly my most scariest. Enjoy, Miss Shelby. Number one, this story happened in the fall of 2021. I was 15 at the time. I was babysitting my one and a half year old boy cousin, who for the story I will call Baby L. My aunt and uncle were away on a five day vacation and asked me to babysit at their house, so I did. The first couple of days were very normal, nothing out of the ordinary. Since I am afraid of being alone at night, I would ask one of my two older sisters to come stay with me. On the third day of babysitting, maybe around 3 p.m. of that day, Baby L was in the TV room watching his favorite cartoon. Baby L is very attached to me and follows me everywhere, so with him being glued to the TV, I could use the restroom in peace. As to not end my cousin's focus on the TV, I opened the door very slowly and made no noise and no wind. As I walked out of the room, I was looking into the living room which was about 13 feet away from where I was standing. And in the corner of my eye, I saw my cousin's play basketball rolling around on its own, and when I moved my eyes to look directly at it, it suddenly stopped. I didn't think anything of it at the time. A couple hours after that happened, I had forgotten about it and went to take my cousin into the kitchen for a dinner. While he was sitting in his high chair and me to the side feeding him food, a different blue ball started rolling around near the front door, which is in front of the living room. This time, I looked directly at it, and it stopped rolling. Now here is where I started getting weirded out, because there was no draft at all, no wind, no air, literally not even my own movements could have caused these toys to move around. So I took all of the toys and put them in their respective baskets. I didn't even want to look at them. I called my oldest sister to hurry up and come over, but she just wanted to relax at home. So I called my other sister, who was on a date with her boyfriend in the moment, and she had to end it a little bit early with him, which was fine with him. And she quickly came over, but it felt like hours for me. She had come over and I had already put baby L to bed. I was starting to get a little bit paranoid and my mind started jumping to the idea of a demon messing with me. So I tried to be composed. Now, fast forward a couple hours. I was laying in bed and got off my phone and was just going to wait for my sister to finish up in the bathroom in the other room. Now sitting up, and just thinking about the next day, I see a black shadow in the corner of my slightly dimmed room. And I just froze and got really scared, and I built up the courage to look directly at it, and it just disappeared. Now, just sitting here, I get closer to the middle of the bed and start surrounding myself with pillows, creating a barrier. Everywhere I looked, there would be just black shadows, but whenever I tried to look at them directly and focus on them, They wouldn't be there. But they were there. These shadows were very dark, foggy, and were in the shape of an abnormally tall man. Now sitting there in just shock, one came close to the right side of me and used its hand and grabbed the pillow that was attempting to shield me, and suddenly it grew a face and just looked up at me, and it had a very wide grin on its face. It was being so evil. 
Slowly and slowly, it crept closer and closer to me, like it was getting ready to stand up. I was still holding onto the pillow, and it started laughing at me. (laughs) I didn't call for my sister because I thought that if the shadow saw her, she would be very vulnerable to attack since she didn't know what was happening. So I finally, just with all of my force, just looked into its eyes and I saw its full face before it was able to disappear. But it didn't just disappear. It just moved to the foot of the bed and was fully standing up in front of my body, so it was freaking out more, like I couldn't get rid of this shadow monster. And again, with all of my force, because I didn't want to look, but I knew that it would go away if I looked, so I just forced myself to look at it, to which the bastard disappeared for good that night. I thought I was going insane, and finally my sister comes out of the restroom and just stares at me and says, You look as if you've seen a ghost. And of course, being a very open girl, I told her everything. She listened and was also very shocked because she had a secret of her own. She said that she had been seeing shadows in the corner of the room, and that she felt like she was being watched wherever she went. I asked her, do you think it's a demon? After I had said demon, she hurried up and shushed me, like it was hearing us. She told me not to say that. Personally, I don't care if the demon hears me say it. I didn't want to obey, but I did so anyway. That night before I went to bed, I kept praying and stacked even more pillow barriers and cuddled right up to my sister. The next day, my sister had to leave to go home for something. I can't really remember the reason she left, but I knew it was important. Now it was just me and baby L, all alone again. I had turned up the temperature from 71 degrees Fahrenheit to 74 degrees Fahrenheit because I get cold really easily. For some reason, it felt like it got colder, so I went to check the thermostat to set it to a hotter temperature, and now it was set to 69 degrees Fahrenheit, which scared me because that was definitely not me who made it colder. Baby L couldn't reach the controls, and I never touched the controls either, so I put it back to 74 degrees Fahrenheit again, and let it be. The whole time after those ball incidents, I felt very uneasy, like something or somebody was watching me. I would always be looking around me, checking and checking, trying to catch whatever it was, off guard. On the fourth and fifth day, random items were falling off from their place. For example, there was a candle lid sitting in the middle of the counter, nowhere close to any edges. While sitting with Baby L in the TV room, I heard some small metal piece fall to the floor. And so with Baby L in my arms, I went to investigate, and found that candle lid on the floor. Another time was when me and my older sister were waiting for my relatives to come home in maybe 20 minutes, and my sister's purse was sitting on the dining room table, standing perfectly fine, and it just toppled onto its side like it was pushed. It scared us both and we screamed and got spooked because again, no air, wind, or humans could have pushed that purse. The relatives came home and we just blasted out of that house in like 30 seconds. We just wanted to leave. Conclusion. Yes, I still babysit at their house and I don't experience any abnormal or physical stuff like the shadows. But I do always feel just a presence watching me and it's really eerie. I don't like it watching me. I have another overnight babysitting job in the next couple of months that I took on for them. I feel like if anything like the shadow bastards happen again, I can handle them because I am not going to let that thing scare me. 
And our last story of the night is from Amber P. I have a family ghost story that you might find interesting. Women in my family have always been sensitive to strange or unnatural things. My grandmother, who died when I was only eight, used to swear that she had dreams telling her when people would pass away, and I can always just tell when something horrible had happened in a place. I remember walking into a house that my parents were renovating for resale and feeling cold sweat when I entered the bedroom. My mom jumped on the hunch that something had happened and found out that someone decades back had died in that room. None of those stories are anywhere close to what my mother remembers from when I was small. My family owned a small house in my hometown until I was about two and a half years old. They had moved in just after getting married, and a few months after they did, my mom started having strange dreams where she would step out of her body and walk through the pitch black house. Everything would be gray and white as she walked through, but there was always a strange flash of light near the end of the dream, and she would bolt up in bed knowing that something was in whatever room she had just been dreaming. My dad was understanding, but reasoned with my mom that she had a rough life before they were married and was likely suffering recurring nightmares from extensive childhood traumas. For a while, this worked. They ended up having me a few years later, and the dreams came back. For the first year of my life, my mother would wake up in the middle of the night and rush over to my crib. The strange thing was that whenever she had this kind of startle, the flash in her dream would coincide with my infant wailing, and the distance she had been from me in her dreams would get shorter each time. The problem started getting worse. My mother started feeling eyes on her when she showered or when she changed me, and her nerves got increasingly frazzled as time went on. By the time I had reached toddler stage, my mother refused to stay in the house without my father. She would visit my grandparents with me or go see her sister, and she never left the house without taking me with her or to a babysitter's home, even when my dad was home. One day, she had left me upstairs in the playroom while she worked on a meal. The door to this room had never been easy to close as it had warped slightly and stuck in the frame. I was also in a stage of development that made me more prone to playing with noisy toys, so my mom felt confident that the sounds of me happily banging away on a toy piano would keep her keyed in on my situation. She was halfway through finishing up when the sound of the piano cut off and I screamed. Toddlers scream all the time, normally as the result of excitement or a tantrum, but my mother remembers feeling so much terror at the pitch of my voice. She told me once that it was like bony fingers crawling up her spine. She raced up the stairs, calling my name and trying to stay calm when she got to the top and saw the silhouette of a strange man. His face was blurry and hard to make out, but she swears he smirked at her before stepping back into my playroom and slamming the door shut. My dad had been home at the time and ran inside to find my mother screaming at the door threatening someone while I cried inconsolably from the other side. My dad started ramming the door trying to break it down before shouting at a visiting relative to get a ladder and come in through the window. My relative says he thought he caught a glimpse of a man in the room 
and was just about to break the glass when the figure vanished and I immediately stopped crying. My dad, who was on the other side of the door, was ready to push it again when he watched the knob turn and the door swing open as if to say, fine, I'm done, you can come in now. My mom rushed back in the room, scooped me up, and had us packed before the sun went down. We moved into my grandmother's attic for a few months before leasing an apartment in a different neighborhood. My parents bought an old Amish barn outside of town and renovated it into a house. We never went back. Anytime anyone jokes about hauntings around our home, my mom firmly says that nothing in or around it is haunted. She took the time to research the old house a few years after the family moved. As it turns out, a convicted rapist died in that home. My mom says the smile he had in his mugshot is the same shit-eating grin she saw on the strange man outside my playroom. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in their stories. I really, really appreciate you sharing your experiences with me and my audience. Thank you so much. Um, I know that I said it would be a two-hour episode. I really thought it would amount to one, but it just didn't. So this is as much as I could. Uh, ha- I, I this is as many stories as I had that weren't um, clearly fake or um, too. Uh, I don't know. Some of them are just, they come in so jumbled. And I think some people, when they have experiences, they only know to put pieces together in a very like manic fashion because it's, they can't explain what they saw. And whenever I try to narrate stuff like that, it just comes out so jumbled that it doesn't make sense when you're saying it out loud, even though I kind of get the gist of what they're trying to say. So some of those I, I skipped just because I feel like it would have been confusing for those of you listening at home. Um, so yeah, this was, this was my big one. Um, again, if you have true stories, feel free to send them in. Um, I'm going to let it again, let them kind of pile up for a while before I do another one. Um, this was everything I have right now. I think, uh, there may have been one or two that I, that got skipped on accident. By the way, if you use the contact, uh, submission form on my website, every once in a while, it sends it to the wrong folder. It sends it to the promotions folder. And I, think I catch most of them or all of them but I if they do slip through that would be what it is if you want to make sure that doesn't happen um send it to scary to sleep at gmail.com but again I also had an author just reach out to me it turned out her story went to spam so I think I'm getting so many emails now that gmail's kind of like (laughs) trying to be more diligent about my emails I don't know but um so if if that happens or you know, if you've sent me a true story that you think would be good on the show, then send it again or just let me know and I can try to search for your email address. And yeah, um, let's see what a week. Um, I took last week off. Uh, I donated to some abortion funds. I suggest you do the same. I don't want to talk about it too much because this show is for escape, but, um, this country, um, has done people wrong in so many ways not just Roe versus Wade, uh, look up the Miranda rights, uh, repeal. I mean, the Miranda rights weren't repealed, but you know, uh, police don't have to read them to you anymore. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, if there's any ways that you know that I can help out, let me know. Cause I just want to help. Um, I'm just one person, but I really want to help in any way I can. 
And again, show's about escape, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Just wanted to put that out there, though. And um, also, <laughs> I did some guest stuff while I took the week off. Um, go check me out on Odd Trails, a great show. I was finally got to be a guest on Odd Trails, a great show that is similar to this episode where they talk about real paranormal stories. Um, Andrew and Brandon are amazing. Check that out. I also did a guest spot again on um, Film History, The History of Film, where I talked about Jurassic Park. And that's my husband's podcast with his friends. Um, that's, uh, yeah, so if you want to hear me talk about Jurassic Park, go check out Film History, The History of Film, part one. I'm in, I'm in part one. Yeah, they did two parts, but I'm in part one. And also, like you said, Odd Trails. Um, yeah, so check those out. I am so sorry. My voice is kind of failing me right now. I recorded a lot this week in anticipation because I am going to be out of town for the week next week and I wanted to get some content for you all and I also had some other things to record um, just that had just other various things that kind of come, all came up this week and um, yeah and I also have this is TMI but you guys like when I TMI uh, I have acid reflux and <laughs> it, it sucks. It, uh, it hurts my, my throat a lot. It like burns the, it burns like your esophagus. And so sometimes it makes it hard to talk. It's been particularly bad. Um, this last, these last few weeks, because it, it gets worse with anxiety and <laughs> you, you know, how you know how the world's going right now. And, um, so yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, what else was I going to let you know? Oh, Homespun Haints. Go listen to them. They're great. Um, they're, I, I, I lo I'm so happy that they wanted to do a promo swap with me because I've been a fan of theirs for so long. Um, go listen to Homespun Haints. You heard their promo in the very the top of the show. And if you skip past it, which I get, totally understandable. Sometimes you just want to get to the meat of your episode, of your show, favorite shows. Um, go listen to it. It's very at the very top. Um, super fun show. Um, again, has to do with true paranormal stuff so this episode was a perfect introduction to that type of show yeah what else um this week oh uh, last week i didn't bake this week but last week i made a beautiful two-tier german chocolate cake completely from scratch was very proud of myself i used uh i cannot remember the web the uh, exact recipe website i used but I use the entire recipe and I can send that to you again, like any of my recipes. I can send you the recipe I used if you'd like. Um, I love German chocolate cake. It, it was great. I could just eat the fro the caramel pecan uh, coconut frosting. I could just eat it like with a spoon. I don't even need the rest of the cake. So that was what I baked. And yes, I will again, I will be out of town next week, but there will be content for you. Don't worry. I've also been working diligently on a guided nightmare. Um, I'm so sorry, by the way. They're really difficult to write. I think I've said that on the show before. They're very, um, they're so particular, you know? They're, and I, I try really hard to keep you as immersed as possible. And so I am very picky about the language I use. Um, that's one thing I've never, I've actually never had any submissions for is guided nightmares probably because you all know how particular I am about them. But um, I've gotten people who've told me ideas for Guided Nightmares, which I really appreciate. Help, it's going to help me out in the future. On Patreon, there's a big uh, thread where people were giving me ideas. So if you're new to Patreon, go look for that one and feel free to add to it and add any ideas you might have or places you want to visit with me with my Guided Nightmares. Um, 
but tomorrow, I believe it'll be tomorrow or Saturday. Um, when will this episode come out? I don't even know anymore. Sometime this week, at least by Saturday, um, I will have, I noticed that on the YouTube channel, I haven't had all of the, I didn't have all the guided nightmares on the YouTube channel. So I'm, I picked one of them that wasn't up yet and that is Lighthouse and I'm working to kind of add some clips and just some video visuals to it and it's just something I'm playing with. I'm going to put it up like that, see how you like it. So I'd really appreciate once that goes up, if you could give me feedback on how you like that or if you'd rather just a blank screen. Um, trying to figure out what to, how to integrate my YouTube channel and the show um, together more, but not so it's just the same exact content, you know, as the podcast, because I don't want it to be redundant. And um, so yeah, doing that. um, It's been a really busy summer, such a busy summer. I've met so many awesome people who from like the podcasting world recently, and a lot of people are making their way out to LA this summer. So I've had the good fortune of getting to meet a lot of people in real life. Um, It's just been, it's just made my schedule kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, and lots of exciting things coming up with Bloody Disgusting. So excited to be with them. Seriously, there's some opportunities, uh, that are coming up that I just never dreamed that I would have. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, if you want to help out at all, just go tell Bloody Disgusting. Thanks for having Shelby. We love her and make me look good to my new, um, overlords. Just be like, she's awesome. We want to see more of her and hear more of her and all of the above. (laughs) Uh, Put in a good word for me. Um, Yeah. So let's see what else. Um, Yeah. There's some stuff coming up that I I can't talk about yet, but it's really, really fun. This was the big one though, being joining bloody disgusting. So again, just so excited to be here. Um, I think that's all. I think that's, uh, those are all my announcements. Remember to follow the show. Uh, You can follow on Instagram, Twitter, Um, There's a big Facebook group that's very active. Um, Someone started a Scare You to Pets spinoff of the main group where you can share pictures of your pets, which is very cool. Yeah, go join all the things if you'd like to. Also, speaking if you'd like to, um, Patreon. Uh, I have a Patreon uh, page and it is, um, it's got a lot of bonus content. So if you like this show, if you're new to the show, Um, go check out my Patreon page and if you want bonus content and if you don't, that's okay too. There's ad-free versions of the show on there and also actual like bonus stuff that isn't available on the main feed. There's a video on there of me touring the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, yeah, there's some fun stuff over there. And so yeah, if you'd like to support me, that would be very, very nice of you. (laughs) In fact, right now I'm saving to get a camera that I can use, um, to do more vlog type stuff. So, um, any support I can get is awesome because yeah, I'm saving to get a camera. Also, if you're new here, thank you, by the way, if you found me through Bloody Disgusting's announcements, um, I mentioned YouTube a little earlier and there is already a a video there. If you'd like to see what I look like, (laughs) I know sometimes people, I get a lot of messages that are like, I, was really curious about what you looked like. So I th- hope it's not weird that I looked it up. It's not weird. I, I do the same when I listen to podcasts. I'm like, what do they look like? Um, I have a video on YouTube if you'd like to go watch it um, where I read horror poetry just in a nice soothing setting to, you know, 
same just as the show. Um, but you can see what I look like there. Uh, yeah, it's seriously, I'm not just saying that I, I get a lot of messages like that. They're always very kind. There have been a few that have been a little bit like, I don't know, not, I'm not even going to go into it. They're a little weird, but, uh, most of them are very kind. You're very kind. And I think it's fun to be like, Hey, I looked up what you looked like and your voice matches your face. And I'm going to take that as a compliment. Cause that's the one I get the most. I'm just, I have to, or I'll cry. So I'm going to take that as a compliment. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go. I hope you all have a great weekend. Um, again, I will be out of office next week, but there will be something here for you that I'm very excited about. All right. Go, uh, drink your water. It's hot. Drink your water. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories if you're brave enough. (laughs) 